Stories connect us as humans. A well-told story can motivate and inspire us. Storytelling is the ultimate superpower. Be The Drop is a weekly podcast that investigates how to tell stories that engage. Join me, Amelia Veal, on our shared journey to become better storytellers. In episode 250, Tim Best, Operations Manager of the Vinnie's Crisis Centres, joins me to discuss the complex and sometimes life-threatening issues facing women in crisis. He explains the prevalence of domestic violence as the key reason for women and children seeking crisis accommodation and support services at the Vinnie's Women's Crisis Centre. We also explore the importance of having brave and potentially confronting conversations to address why domestic violence instances are increasing. Tim also explains why fundraising events like the CEO Sleepout are critical to keep these services in operation. This is Tim's version of Be The Drop. This episode contains content that some listeners may find triggering. If you or anyone you know needs counselling or support services, 1800RESPECT is accessible 24 hours a day. This year, I'll participate for the sixth time in the CEO Sleepout. If you'd like to help break the devastating cycles of domestic violence and homelessness, head to my fundraising page at ceosleepout.org.au and search for Amelia Veal. Every donation, big or small, will help make a difference. So my name is Tim Best. I'm the Acting Operations Manager of the Vinnie's Women's Crisis Centre. And you're also at the Men's Shelter? Yes, Operations Manager of the Men's Crisis Centre. Tell us about, you know, overall, what is it like working across these centres? What's it like? Fast-paced, challenging but rewarding is what I tend to say uh, when people ask me that question. There's there's similarities across both. We're providing crisis emergency accommodation and they're gender specific. The men's centre is focusing mainly on um, primary homelessness. So the men are um, rough sleeping around the CBD area. So we're enabling them to have a roof over their head and engage with services to try and end homelessness. Here at the Women's Centre, there's more of a focus on women and children escaping DV situations, so. And because it is quite a high number, I I mean, I think I read a statistic of something like three in four, or is it potentially even higher of the women that are coming in here that are escaping domestic violence, or is it almost closer to 100%? Yeah, it's almost 100%. So, you know, there's a whole range of complicated aspects that come with that, with the fear and the vulnerability associated with needing to escape from violence. Is that something that is quite noticeably different you know, from, say, for example, here at the women's shelter? It is a noticeable difference, yes. What does that look like? I mean, it's more in the, the presentation of the the women, given the sort of the urgency of their situation. So escaping DV, they have been experiencing that for usually a prolonged period of time. And we also know from the research and evidence that they'll often return to a DV situation for a number of reasons. Mm. There's a couple of elements that I want to go back and touch on. What are the actual options available for escaping domestic violence? Uh, so there are other 
DV services that provide accommodation through DV funding or places like Catherine House in the city um, that provide accommodation for women also escaping DV but that also includes homelessness but homelessness is generally a result of fleeing domestic violence for women and children so yeah we're part of that wider network of services Mm. And, you know, I think I read somewhere that some of these other services will include potentially interim accommodation options in hotels or something like that, for example. How does that then for position this shelter as a different sort of more holistic service Mm -hmm. option? Yep, good question. So a lot of women can be funded um, into hotel and motel accommodation and actually we are funded in a similar way. So they will present at a DV service or a homelessness service. They will advocate through Housing SA, which is where the emergency funding is approved, and then they'll come in here. So the difference between us and a motel is that they have increased support. So we have staffing 24-7. We never close. So we do get a number of people coming into the service late into the night, you know, one, two o'clock in the morning, which is really important that we're available. And the women know that when they're here, they've got staff on site providing support whereas if they are in hotels or motels yes they've got a roof over their head but they don't have any support in place so from a a safety aspect that's a real point of difference Mm. and i if you're in that point where you're feeling vulnerable and you've been threatened and potentially physically harmed and your children have potentially been threatened and physically harmed the emotional toll that that would have on the women would be huge so to then go into a motel which would be quite an isolating experience because as you say there's no support staff the Mm. motel is run by motel staff or a motel service provision which is quite different to what the women's shelter here is so you've got a whole range of support around you i can imagine for the women potentially going into a motel or a hotel is another barrier that they'd need to overcome because there could be fear associated with that as an option. Is that something that you've seen? Yeah, anecdotally it is, yeah. And we know that perpetrators of domestic violence are also generally really good at tracking down their partner as well. Um, There's a variety of ways that they can do that. So your point is, is accurate, that we know talking to the women that if they are put into unsupported accommodation, which is hotels and motels primarily, they've got tremendous fear and anxiety that their ex-partner is going to track them down and that they're still in as much danger as ever. So, mm, And the centre um, here is fenced and locked and secure as that point of difference as well. Yes, that's Giving correct. that extra layer of security and emotional protection for the women yes. and children. yep. So there is the security in place, but it's that um, emotional support and protection, I think, that's as important as anything else, just knowing that there's people around, that there is support in place and that they're they're starting that journey of getting to a safer place. Mm. And I think it can be hard, you know, if you don't have that lived experience, Mm. how do we Mm. understand what it is to be in those shoes, to have been on that journey, to have those experiences? So what, what are some of the things that, you know, you've learnt along this journey that has helped you have a greater understanding of A, how critical this service is and B, how we can, on a broader level, help support that? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things there. Certainly what you learn working at the coalface is that we all know somebody 
that's affected by domestic violence or, or homelessness, a friend, a friend of a relative, a close relative. You don't have to look far in Australia to know somebody that's experienced one or both of those issues. Also, if we look at the like the mortality rate of women in this country, you know, I think it's one woman is murdered every week. It's shocking, it's heartbreaking, and it's, it's almost surreal that that's happening in our country, in our communities, in our neighbourhoods, but it is. So that in itself shows us both how big the problem is, but also how important services like this are. Mm. With that awareness, you know, what else is it that you hope you can see? Like, you know, what do we need to do to address the underlying issues? How do we get to go, well, that's just not acceptable? As you say, it's shocking. Mm. So then what are these, what's the extension of that conversation? Well, it's a, yeah, it's a big conversation, <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> isn't it? I mean, there's, there's a lot of focus now on, you know, educating men and, and men recognising their responsibility within all of this. Now, domestic violence can uh, happen across both genders, but overwhelmingly the, st- the statistics are very clear that it's predominantly men as perpetrators of violence towards women. So the conversation has to start there the focus has to be there. So, and I think we're, we're recognising that and we're, we're understanding that better. And, uh, and there's also a lot of investment and resources now being channeled into that area. But whilst that's a work in progress and that's a, a good starting point, clearly until we get major improvement, then services like this will remain really critical to, to women and children when they need it. Yeah, and the centre's often at capacity, isn't it? Yes. Yep, we operate at, unfortunately, full occupancy most days. Mm. So it's not only that the service is necessarily, but potential that more of this service, you know, if it's already at capacity, you know, is there an overflow? You know, do we really need to be advocating for greater funding for to abilities to provide more crisis centres like this? Yep, absolutely. Yep. I mean, we know that here in South Australia, all of the DV services that provide crisis accommodation are all full any night of the week. So Mm. there's your answer. And yet the South Australian government has recently cut funding. I think that it was more directly impacted towards the other services like the Hunt Street Centre. Yeah, so that was reform across the homelessness sector, not the DV sector. So, But that has impacted on uh, defunding of some of the... Uh, most longest established and well-known homelessness services in the CBD, mm. including the Vinnie's Men's Crisis Centre, Hutt Street Centre, Catherine House, Hyper, which provides a range of youth services, uh, and Street to Home, which is an outreach homelessness service. So, And Catherine House is one of the most well-known women's only services in, in Adelaide. And we talked about how often this is a long-term cycle. What are some of those barriers that are associated with the decisions to leave or not to leave? It's very com- complex why people choose to stay in those type of relationships or, or situations. We know that it can include many things such as finances. Often the perpetrator will have control of the finances. So uh, the fear of breaking away from that and having that financial insecurity can seem too overwhelming. Sometimes there's the 
purely just the fear of leaving and the reprisal and and that's often built over time that that culture of fear and coercive control implying what can happen should they leave the relationship lack of information about what's available out there if you don't know then you don't know where to where to turn to so that's why providing education and information is is really important and so vinnie's is working to support those women to see the options and make them feel comfortable and less afraid and because i suppose you know if talking about your first point the fear the financial fear because if they leave there is that fear that they might then be homeless it is a very real fear if they don't know who to ask you know where do they even start that conversation yep we work across many systems and sectors so we're working across health mental health the legal system corrections courts child protection homelessness dv so we can't fix every problem but Certainly to your point, at Vinnie's we aim to meet all of those basic needs. So if we, you know, if we think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the women can come in here and they can have all of those basic needs addressed. Food, shelter, shower, clothing. They don't need to worry about money. So they can come here, stabilize, get some um, clarity of thought in a safe, supported environment and then start to engage with the appropriate services to address all of the the needs they have, but all of the sort of the presenting issues that they come in with. So we play an integral role, particularly at that starting point of enabling them to get safe first and foremost, and then start to move forward. Um, the dollars are incredibly necessary to fund mm. the services, particularly if funding has been cut, etc. you know, now more than ever, mm. and with the increase in in numbers of people, you know, throughout COVID-19 with domestic violence numbers increasing, et cetera. Now more than ever, those funds are absolutely critical. But how can they help? Is it ongoing fundraising? Is it education, understanding, awareness? You know, what are some of the aspects and the things that you think will help on that broader scale? Should they be advocating to government? Like, you know, if they're CEOs and they're in positions of power, how can they use that power Mm for greater impact? Yep, my answer is all of those. (laughs) (laughs) Everything. (laughs) All of those. So often I think people think of like Vinnie's and some of those other not-for-profits as, yeah, we know what they do and and they're amazing and helping the most vulnerable and in need in our communities, but they don't tend to think too much more about it. So the simple message is that without things like the CEO sleep out, this service doesn't continue. So if they're wondering, what does this achieve? Well, you're actually contributing to this service operating over the next 12 months, pure and simple. So, so we need that to continue. And then what do we need? Well, we need advocacy. We need that voice. We need talking to governments. We need talking to other organisations, raising awareness having the conversation and continuing education. And it's interesting, advocacy and continuing the conversation you mentioned there. And as you were saying that, I was thinking domestic violence hasn't been a conversation we've been very good at talking about. Mm. And there can be an us and them, there can be victim blaming, there can be pointing fingers associated in that conversation, Mm. which, you know, as you mentioned, the perpetrators are predominantly men with women as the victims. And I think we need to 
accept that and address that. Mm. But then around how do we have this conversation where it's inclusive and we all go, we all want to rise into that and step up and have that conversation about something that may have traditionally been taboo and kept behind, you know, mm. within the home or in behind closed doors. Yeah. What, what sort of advice would you give to people wanting to navigate this conversation in order to help facilitate change and to do it with, you know, sensitivity and openness? Yeah, I guess well, what I would say to that is just be brave. So, yes, we can talk about funding, we can talk about the service and how great it is, but if we're not um, brave enough to have those conversations and understand and recognise what the root cause of it is, why do we have DV services? Why do we have DV crisis centres that are full night after night? What's the reason behind that? Because that's where the change needs to come from. So those conversations can lead to um, real change. So. Mm. What are the other things, anything else that you think is really important to touch about the service that are provided here, why people are coming here and how people can help as key themes? Anything in and around that? I think it's important for people to know that whilst the the women are here, so yes, we're a, we're a crisis centre, we're a kind of a gateway to hopefully them getting out of the, the situation that they're in. As an organisation, we put a lot of time and effort into the way we provide the service, so which is in line with the, the values of the organisation. So just really trying to empower the, the women, making them feel valued, making them not feel at fault. Uh, that's, that's feedback that you regularly get from women in domestic violence is they feel almost responsible or a sense of guilt for the situation they're in, which is just heartbreaking that that can happen to somebody psychologically after what they've been through. So we really prioritise trying to make them feel valued, which is sort of really core to what Vinnie's is about, no matter what we're doing, whether it's providing emergency accommodation or home home assistance or whatever it is we do, that's sort of right at the heart of why we do it. So, so yes, funding of the service, fundraising, donations allows us to keep the doors open, but then how we assist the, the women whilst they're here is a real focus for us. So. Mm. And for you personally, what are some of the feedback that you've received that, you know, sort of goes, this is why I do it? Like, what are some of that feedback that, that, you, that helps you get through the challenges? Well, every day you see positive stories. So the challenges are far outweighed by the, the rewards. So just seeing the growth in people. I mean, the, the usual length of stay here is about three weeks and you can see a a total shift over that period of time so that's where the rewards lie and just seeing that uh, that fear sort of subside and start to hear them talk more positively about the future and that's where the reward really lies so and for the the team here it's just knowing that they've assisted people you know in their hour of need mm. you can't get any more rewarding than that it's interesting as you're talking you you know seeing the fear lift and the language you used really helped. I really was visualising like a weight lifting mm. from these women. Is it something like, is it as tangible? Do you feel like, you know, through body language 
expression, whatever, you know, is that something you really see? Absolutely. Yeah, it is. It is tangible. You can see it. You can see the body language change. You can see the the sparkle in the eyes, the smiles around the place. Yeah. Mm, Hope. Hope. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Be The Drop. Don't forget to subscribe in order to ensure you never miss out on one of our weekly episodes. Be The Drop is produced by Narrative Marketing, where we believe that stories connect individuals and that powerful storytelling can positively impact the world. To unleash your storytelling superpower, visit narrativemarketing.com.au or check out our social links in the show notes. To contact me directly with any specific comments you have, you can email me via amelia at narrativemarketing.com.au. And don't forget that whilst a task or challenge may seem overwhelming, a waterfall begins with one drop and look what comes from that. This is a Narrative Network podcast.